RadioInfluence.com. You know what? This one's going to be a little bit different. It's a lot of me. You and I, let's just hang out. Let's just hang out. Let's talk. I got some stories, a lot of things I got to get off my mind. I am going to, very briefly, talk with IndyCar driver, one of the best in American championship racing. He's won 37 races. He came from France. He lives here in the United States. Sebastian Bourdais had a terrible crash a couple of years ago. He finally got all the metal out of him. He had surgeries. He's feeling good. We got the beginning of the IndyCar season. It always starts right in downtown St. Pete. On a street course, along the waterfront, man, the drivers and teams, they love it. But because of COVID, they moved it and they start out in Alabama. It's the second race of the season. NASCAR's already started. Uh, So we're going to do five quick questions with the great Sebastian Bourdais IndyCar Racing. All right. Also, I want to hit on Jacksonville Jaguars head football coach, Urban Meyer, NFL head coach. Sounds strange, doesn't it? What's with all these tattoos? Like the Buccaneers. Who's getting a tattoo? Who isn't? The April Fool's joke. Arian's got a tattoo. I guess she's never too old to get a tattoo at 68 years old. Uh, (laughs) What's going on with the Bears? I want to get into some big homes and and a whole lot more. Sebastian Bourdais, you and me, coming up right here on another edition episode of The Rock Stops Here. Let me start, though, with Major League Baseball. Now, Major League Baseball, I'm seeing on my timeline on social media, everybody's loving it because it's just the beginning. There's something about opening day and the first week. And, you know, when we had COVID, now we got 162 games and it's a full schedule. Listen, I, I'm going to be flat out honest with you. All right. I cannot. I love baseball. I grew up with baseball like 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 you. Right. Didn't you? Did you start out in Little League? Did you start just playing with your friends? And I played in high school. I pitched. I walked on at St. Leo, uh, made the varsity in the fall, in, in St. Leo in, in uh, Florida, uh, Division Two. Good baseball. Great baseball. Eckert, uh, University of Tampa, Florida Southern. I mean, damn good baseball, you know? A lot of the, the, those teams would crush a lot of division one teams up north i gotta tell you and then uh i made it i started out jv suffering and i made the varsity at the end blah 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 then i transferred and went to william patterson in wayne which was division three and i sat out a year and then i pitched my senior year and then i pitched in amateur leagues i hate when people say oh semi-pro did you get paid no you didn't you had to pay to play you ain't a pro you ain't semi-pro you're amateur but I pitched all years and years, year round down here, you know, years and years and years and years and years. So I, you know, I love the game, but I also, in this day and age, I cannot afford four hours a night, just just baseball. Now it might be on in the background. Uh, I, I just, it's just me. It's just me. And I was always like, you know what, man, we got to get the younger people into baseball. You know, you got to move along. The game is too slow. You know, there is no clock. You got to speed it up. You can't have four hours a night. You know, the games are on too late. You know, blah, 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 blah. I have changed my tune. If you like baseball, you probably like it exactly the way it is. Do you think by putting a runner on second base to start extra innings is going to bring in a whole new bunch of baseball fans? 
<laughs> Are they really going to sit through three and a half to four hours just because you now put a runner on second base? A pitch clock. Guys are going to step out of the out of the batter's box anyway, adjust their you know adjust their glove. And I've now changed my tune. I'm like baseball. That's what it is. That's the game. There is no clock. If you don't like it. You're not going to come to the baseball uh, sport of baseball just because of a couple of tweaks to try to speed the game up. That's I mean, I, I've changed my tune. If you like it, you like it. If you don't like it, you ain't going to come to it. You know, kids nowadays, it's been like this probably for 20, all right, 25 years. Let me give you an example. I have been living down here in Florida for close to 25 years uh, close, 22, 23, there has never been a time where I have driven on a street in a neighborhood and I have had to stop my car because kids are playing catch in the street. They are playing pickle. If you're older, you know what the game pickle is. They are playing baseball. They are playing stickball. They are playing that 23 years. I've never, I have never seen it. I'm not kidding you. Now, when we were kids, we used to play in the street all the time. I love pickle. I would get down. You know, I, uh, now it's you sign up. It's organized. If it's not organized, you're not going to go to the park with your buddies on your bike with a bat. When was the last time you've seen a kid on his bicycle with a bat over his shoulder or a kid with the the glove on his handlebars and maybe a baseball in his pocket? When's the last time you've seen that? 30 years ago, maybe? My point is now, it's the, if it isn't organized, and then if your kid wants to really play further, even in good high schools, you got to be on a travel ball. You got to be. It's just the way it is. So my point. So my, my whole reasoning on Major League Baseball has kind of changed now. You know, if you like it, you like it. That's the game. There is no clock. And if you don't like it, trying to tweak here and there the way I see it, is not going to bring in a whole bunch of new fans or younger fans. My son, who lives with his mom, Hunter is now 23 years old, going to be 24 years old. And I asked him, do any of his buddies... Now, he's not a big sports guy. He follows it a little bit. He does football, basketball, and blah, blah, blah. Gaming is the big thing. Twitch TV, Twitch, you know, that's their thing. All right. Most of his friends, but some of his friends are into uh, sports more than him. And I said, and he told me that, do you know what is number one amongst his friends at 23 years old? Football is always king. Everybody likes football. NBA. N stinking BA is very popular. I said, what about baseball? Nobody he knows. Nobody he knows. Now, I look, look, I understand if you're a father and your kid's playing, you're like, what are you talking about, Rock? You're, 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 that's bullshit. There are, there are kids. But overall, I think the game is in trouble, seriously, down the road. And the expense, the ratings, oh my God, I, I, I wrote down just a note, just to let you, check this out, all right? In 1978, 
Major League Baseball and popularity was probably at an all-time high. Do you know how many people watched the World Series in 1978? 44.2 million, okay? A little over 44 million tuned in to watch the World Series. Do you know how many tuned in in 2020 to watch the World Series? 9.8 from 44 mil to 9.8. Now, look, we just have so many different options now with our phones, with our laptops and our computers. We can entertain ourselves so many different ways. So I understand that life has changed. In 1978, there wasn't as many options. Attendance is down. But you know what? Attendance is down even in football. Again, the in-home experience, man, is killer. And you don't have to drive, you don't have to deal with parking, you don't have to deal with jagoffs, you don't have to deal with $16 beers. But, uh, you know, it's cost so much money, too. And you know what? I'm not blaming the players. I'm blaming more of the owners. You're the ones that have given these exorbitant salaries, and it's put back on the consumer. I saw stat, one more stat here. I'm not a big stat guy, and I know it's stories with a podcast, but I just want to, you know, to support my argument. Between 2010 and 2018, okay, that's eight years. That's not that long ago. 2010 to 2018, for a family of four, to go to a Major League Baseball game, it is rose. It costs 23% more. You're, you you got to take it alone. If you got two kids and a wife and you want to take the family to a ballpark, that's why down here in Florida they have uh, the Florida State League. Now, there wasn't any minor league last year because of COVID. And I'm telling you, when my son was younger, Addie, my daughter, now sixth grade, we've done it a couple of times. It's been a Friday night. You go to some of these dub, uh, it's, it's high A ball, Florida State League. And they got the fireworks at night. They got, they, they got the berm where the kids can roll down. You got hot dogs, hamburgers, you got uh, ice cream, and I mean, it's it's like a, a not even a quarter of what it would cost you at a, at a major league game. So, my whole thing is, baseball's baseball's what it is, but damn, it costs so much damn money. Really, to, to, to go to a major league baseball game. Alright, I tell you what, if you have tuned in for Sebastian Bourdais, all my IndyCar fans, my race fans... Sebastian Bourdais is one of, I'll tell you, he is an under-the-radar driver. Uh, He had a very serious crash back in 2017. He was going through qualifying at Indy, and oh my God, he broke his hip, uh, his pelvis. He sat out most of the year. He's come back. I ask him how he's doing now, but he is one of the most successful drivers in American Championship car racing. He has won 37 races, four consecutive championships. Remember when it was champ car? Like 04 to 07? He was in Formula One. He's won the Rolex 24. The, 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 he's the man and a really good dude. So we're getting ready for the Firestone Grand Prix in St. Pete. That's race number two. I actually thought I had to look it up after I I talked to him. It's always the opening of the IndyCar race. So I asked him a little bit about that, a little bit about that. You can get tickets if you're coming down here to St. Pete. They are allowing fans, so I think it's going to be kind of cool. But anyway, here it is. Without further ado, and I hit him up with five questions. My man, IndyCar driver, sensation, from France, 
now an American, Sebastian Bourdais. All right, Sebastian, I want to have some fun with you. I want to ask you like five questions, get to know you, but let's talk about the season starting. The drivers and teams always love coming to the street course here. How do you feel going in with AJ Foyt racing in your team? How are you feeling going into this? Yeah, I mean, it's uh, it's been a bit of a weird start, obviously, with, with the broken up season and, and that uh, all the races that we were supposed to do on the front end of the season ending up, you know, with a couple of them uh, at the very end. But it also teed us off pretty well for, for 2021. It was a it was a great event here in in uh, in October last year where we finished fourth uh, in that 14 car and uh, that opened up some opportunities and uh, now I'm I'm gonna be back in the car for the whole season. There's a prime new primary sponsor with Rocket that got announced uh, last week and uh, yeah a lot of very positive news uh, uh, surrounding the the program so really excited and and looking forward to uh, getting it started here. Now you started at a young age. I know your dad was in it and you've been going a long time even though you're still a very young man. Are you as excited as when you first started? Because as you go on, you know it's a business and there's so many other things and probably that's your sanctuary when you're in the car. Are you as excited for driving and racing as you were when you started? I'd say so, yeah. I mean, I think it's a, it's a much more serene environment as well because, uh, you know, you, you're, not, you're not fighting for your career. Your career is kind of like flowing with you and, and you, you know, you just have to perform and, and enjoy what it is that you love and, and do. Um, so it's, it's, it's a bit easier, I would say. You know, when, when you're younger, trying to make it up through the ranks, there's a lot of pressure. And um, now, obviously, you, it's, it's your own self-pressure of, of competitor wanting to perform. Uh, but uh, yeah, I mean, I, the passion is obviously here. I'm 42 years old, so I'm not that young anymore, especially in my business. But uh, when you're racing 20-year-old kids, but um, yeah, I think uh, obviously uh, still have a lot to give to programs and, uh, and, and enjoy driving just as much. How you feel physically? I know you had that very, very serious accident and that was quite a bit to make it through. I mean, on the whole, looking at you, you look great, but how, how do you feel? Yeah, I feel good. Actually, got uh, got most of the hardware removed uh, over the winter, uh, which which was a, a nice relief. Can uh, can run again, <laughs> so that's that's nice. Uh, but yeah, physically feeling really good. Uh, at uh, uh, in the the COVID phase, uh, the first phase, uh, I could. Uh, I could do a lot of writing and and worked out a lot um, in the months of April, May, and June, and uh, that that kind of set me up uh, on probably the best shape I'd been in a long time, and uh, tried to keep it, and uh, uh, yeah, feel feeling very good, and uh, yeah, enjoying uh, enjoying everything the Bay has to offer. Beautiful. Let's have some fun. Just five quick questions. Biggest thrill for you in racing, in life. Or is it just one and the same? Biggest thrill ever for you, Sebastian? Uh, biggest thrill for me is yeah, it's it's my it's my job. I mean, it's it's getting through uh, getting through perfect lap in qualifying. That's that's like that's the the most fulfilling thing that I have ever experienced. And that includes that's life overall, everything, right? Yeah, yeah, no, because it's just you know it's it's my it's my job, but it's been my passion you know forever and ever since I, I started. And then, although I'm professional now for, and been professional for 20 years, uh, it's it's still my passion. So there's not not much more fulfilling than that. Most nervous you have ever been in your life, Sebastian? 
most nervous uh it's it's probably always qualifying on ovals uh, because you know you got a couple of laps to just hang it out and uh, you haven't had any time to build up to it you haven't hit the track in at least a few hours conditions have changed uh, you're not entirely sure what your car's got and, uh, and you just gotta hang it out and Yeah, you have to hang it out and make sure that you uh, you get it right. Because if you if you overdo it, then things things can go wrong in a big way. So uh, yeah, that's that's probably the most stressful part, nervous part that I get. Number three, I know you were you're from France. You've been living here in the United States. The biggest difference living in France, living here in the United States. Uh, <laughs> uh, shopping on Sundays. <laughs> How so? What do you mean? Everything's shut down, closed in France on on Sundays. So it's a, it's a huge difference, and we get caught out time and time again when we go back home. Like, oh, let's go and do this, or let's go and do that, and then everything's closed. It's like, god damn. <laughs> Number four. What was the biggest thing that you have taken out of this past year with coronavirus, the way everything has changed? What do you think the biggest thing that you've has come out of it? You know, pro or con, good or bad? Uh, honestly, we haven't changed a whole lot. I mean, we, we tried to be smart about it, um, managed to stay healthy, which which was the, the, the number one part. But, uh, you know, also... Uh, um, also try to enjoy every minute and and you know family and uh yeah just uh really not take things for granted because in life obviously things can change very rapidly and uh you know thinking that you got a lot of time ahead of you is is quite foolish so yeah just trying to enjoy the moment that's probably the what came out of this last but not least your biggest goal your number one goal in life sebastian uh be a good dad <laughs> trying every day <laughs> not always succeeding but uh yeah that's uh that's obviously as as a parent that's that's the biggest thing when you reach that age uh i've been super fortunate to be very successful in racing uh hopefully we still have more success more successes in in front of us but uh yeah i mean uh definitely uh Definitely looking forward to uh, trying to do the the best thing for the kids and and the family. Awesome. Well, best of luck this year in the race and with AJ Foyt Racing. You're always very gracious. You've been great to me. Thank you, Sebastian. Thank you. All right, my thanks to the peeps at the Firestone Grand Prix. It's going to be April 23rd to the 25th. So the race itself is on Sunday, April 25th. And if you're coming down here to St. Pete, Beautiful weather, St. Peter's killer, right along the water. Great race, and thank you, Sebastian Bourdais. I may also be be uh, sitting down with a couple of other IndyCar drivers. You know, when it comes to IndyCar, I actually was friends, uh, more a little bit more than acquaintance, Dan Weldon, the late, great Dan Weldon. And I just hit it off with him. Dan Weldon was from England. Again, IndyCar, started out as a kid, just like Sebastian Bourdais with karting. You know, his father got him into it. Came here to the United States, loved St. Pete, just like a lot of these guys. And they're like, damn, damn, I love it here. You know what what Dan Weldon told me? He said when he would fly in from wherever he was around the world and when he moved uh, down here with his wife and his kids... 
And when they would get on that tram at Tampa International Airport, which, by the way, if you've traveled through TIA or and you've done a lot of traveling, you've got to give it up. It is the most calming, easiest, maneuvering around, nicest airport, I think, in the world. Seriously. But he said once you get on that tram to take you to the main terminal, uh, the main, you know, the main section, you always feel and you see the palm trees and he's like, I feel like I'm home. I'm like, wow. Years ago when Dan Weldon was, I was with my wife. We didn't, uh, we didn't have Addie at the time. We were just dating and we were in downtown St. Pete getting coffee at a coffee shop. And I saw him there with his wife, Susie. She was actually his PR person, Dan Weldon. And I had interviewed him maybe one or two times and I just felt a connection. I just really got along with him. And he looked over, how you doing? I introduced him to my wife. How you doing? Susie, what's happening? How you guys doing? Blah, 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 blah. And I just felt like, a, you know, sometimes you feel like you got a connection with the guy. And over the years, I, we brought him in. There was one time where he was doing something on ESPN. He needed a station to, to do the, they call it a talk back called us up myself Chris Elias my producer no problem man we got you covered that's when we had moved over in this beautiful building uh, area of St. Pete called Carillon and he came over we're in a new building new studio and he came up and he was going to do that and part of it I said hey Dan while you're here can I can I get a little interview well, you know we'll give you the studio time you give me the interview you got it and there was a thing with um, Danica Patrick. He did not. He did not like Danica Patrick. They did not get along. There was one time where they they got out of their cars and were approaching each other like they were going to fight. <laughs> I'm not kidding you. And he was being maybe that's why. That's why he was doing the talk back. All right, you know how media works. So they wanted to get his take on it. We were there listening in. It was funny, and then. I, we were talking to him and he's like, oh man, you know, I said, yeah, but she's good looking, isn't she? He goes, ah, it's all fake. And I said, but what about that spread? Didn't you do a spread for Playboy? And uh, he was just kidding around, but he was a good dude. And, you know, spe and speaking, God rest his soul. And then he passed away in a horrific accident in Las Vegas, you know, on the course. And then, uh, you know, blah, blah, blah. And then when they gave him, it was a St. Pete, Dan Weldon day and the family and them, they asked me and the guy that ran it at the time, Mr. Ramsberger asked me to be the host, the MC for the, for the event. And I was honored, man, just being back there and seeing his wife and his two little kids that are probably not that little now, but you know, this is a couple of years ago, but it just felt so bad. She's without her husband and a dad, but you know what? And then after that, I have interviewed several race car drivers and asked them about that, and they're like, this is what we do. We know that that's a part of it. We never think about that when we get in that, behind that wheel. You just don't, otherwise you're going to be screwed up. But it's just, you know, this is just what we do. This is what we've signed up for. This is what we do. And speaking of, speaking of Danica Patrick, I think she's smoking hot. I have seen her and uh, interviewed her in person a couple of times and it's funny with a perception you know she's a she's a petite she's similar uh, in body size to my wife I, I you know my wife does it for me man and uh, Danica Patrick is like similar 
in body shape. I'm gonna be, I don't want to get in trouble here with my wife, but anyway, uh, no, 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 no. My wife does it for me. But Danica Patrick, the word was, oh, she could be a bitch. You know, be a bitch. Well, maybe because she's in a tough male-dominated sport and, you know, to do what she does and to compete with these guys, she's got to be kind of tough. So I remember a news reporter was going to do an interview. He did with her and he came back and he goes, ah, she was, you know, no, you know, she was kind of short with us and really wasn't that, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, oh, okay. So then she, uh, a year or two later, she came into the studio and I knew she was coming in and she sat down with me and we had a little bit of small talk and did the interview. Couldn't have been nicer. Couldn't have been cooler. And it looked very good, man. She had the tight jeans on, very, very in shape. And it was cool. And then a year or two later, there was a, a an event. Oh, no, we had it set up that I was going to interview her at the Hard Rock Hotel and Casino. And they had a little set set up like a stage. And uh, she came out and she was kind of busting my chops about something and funny. And I thought she was cool. I honestly thought she was cool. So I wish, I think, uh, you know, whatever she does, man, all, all the best. All the best. All right. Oh, 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 and one more thing on racing, and this is, but let me segue into this thing. All right, so Dan, I mean, uh, what's my favorite was always Junior. I never have had a chance to sit down with Junior. Martin Truax Junior., when he was in the series below NASCAR, they've changed names a couple of times, and he was up and coming. He was a New Jersey guy. They brought him through the station, TV station that I was at. And he was kind of a shy guy. And I said, hey, man, I'm from Jersey, too. He was more from like the South Jersey. And we were BSing, blah, blah, blah. And I said, oh, I see that you're with uh, uh, little L- Junior, Dale Junior, Lily. And he's like, I live I live at his pl- I live at his house. He's letting me pl- live at his house. I'm like, you're kidding me. And I said, all right, let talk to me. And he goes, nah, he goes, he couldn't be cooler. He's letting me stay there. I'm learning under him. He's taking me under his wing. And he's like, oh, yeah. And at the time, Junior liked to pound him. You know, and I think, I believe, wasn't Budweiser one of his sponsors? But I know that one of the areas of his home, his big-ass home in the Carolinas, was a big bar slash, I think, kind of like a nightclub. And, you know, Truax is living there, so he's not going to, he's just like, he's just smiling. He's like, it's, it's a good time. It's a good time. And then I started thinking about it before I was doing this podcast. I'm like, what is the nicest home that I was ever in? The most incredible home, mansion, property that I was ever in, lucky enough to be in. Second to the top would be the former owner of the Tampa Bay Devil Rays, Vince Namoli. He had an incredible home, beautiful, beautiful guest area. You know, when you go to some of these mansions and you look at the guest house and you're like, damn, that is better than my house. I wouldn't mind living in that thing. And, you know, I got invited one year to a party at Vince DiMoli's house. And what do you bring? You know, well, you got to bring something, right? You got invited to a party. 
And at the time, this is years ago, so I was single. I didn't have a woman to tell me what to do. And I drove there, and it's a big, long, long driveway. And I remember walking up, and I got a bottle of wine. <laughs> nothing, nothing fancy, nothing, nothing expensive. What do you get somebody that has almost everything? And I remember he, he actually opened the door. And I said, hello, Vince. Here you go. Oh, thank you very much, Rock. But I got to say, the most amazing home that I have ever been in was former NBA center Matt Geiger. Now, Matt Geiger was with the Hornets, the Philadelphia 76ers. I remember he had a knee injury, and I remember it cut his career short, but he made a boatload of money. And I know there's a lot of Philadelphia 76ers fans that don't like him. But hey, that's how the cookie crumbles. That's good. He signed it. They signed him to that deal. It's guaranteed money. And there you go. His father, Geiger's father, was a developer, developed communities. So they were in the housing business, construction business. And so you can imagine with the millions, the millions and millions and millions and millions of dollars that young Matt Geiger had, and then when he was single to build this thing, his father built it for him. Oh my God, I don't remember the event. I was able to take my wife, who was my girlfriend at the time, you know, there's valet parking. You know, when you go to when you go to these mansions, they have usually like a full staff from waiters, waitresses, bartenders, uh, you know, valet, you name it. And this was incredible. And I was just looking at it. The I, I looked it up before I <laughs> I came on here. I just remember the like the the, the swimming pool area. I, I you really can't even call it like a, a swimming pool area. Matt Geiger, his house. There was a Shark Tank. There was a three hundred and three three hundred and thirty three thousand gallon pool. There was this big ass rock diving cliff. Forty televisions, eighteen with Xbox. Several bars. I remember this one was like, oh, this is themed like this club. This one is over here themed like an Outback Steakhouse. I mean, all glass. I mean, it was unbelievable. Uh, DJ booth, uh, hot tubs, artificial lake stocked with 2,500 bass. There was buffalo, cattle. Uh, now, now the word was when we were there, you had to really know Matt to go up and check out his master bedroom. Now, the word was that he had a stripper pole in his master bedroom. Hey, the guy was a single. He was a bachelor. He was a bachelor. He has since calmed down. He ended up selling this thing because he has kids and, you know. But when I read where, do you know how much his taxes were a year in this thing? $177,000 a month. <laughs> you got to be kidding me. No, is that possible? Is that possible? It has to be a year, right? All I know is that to me was the biggest and baddest ass house that I've ever been to. All right. A couple of things that I want to hit on. Um, we're getting closer to the NFL draft. I've never seen as many big names, especially quarterbacks, changing teams this year. Um, 
What do you think of Jacksonville Jaguars head coach Urban Meyer? Is he going to make it in the NFL? Now, you got to have a quarterback to be able to, 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 to make it to the bowl. You, you really do. Unless sometimes there are some exceptions. You know, the Baltimore Ravens with that defense and Trent Dilfer, Brad Johnson did not have his arm was shot, but he also made and make mistakes, man. You know, and it's usually not a not a rookie that's leading you to a Super Bowl. Right. Am I right? So he's going to go with Trevor Lawrence. I saw the Monday morning quarterback thing with Peter King. Peter King went to, uh, he sat down with Jacksonville Jaguars head coach Urban Meyer. It was really good if you haven't seen it. And Urban Meyer, now I got some experience with Urban Meyer. When Urban Meyer got the gig with the Florida Gators, they have these things where these they go around to booster clubs before the season starts to hype them up. These are boosters. These are money spenders for the program. And I remember I was, you know, scheduled to do an interview with him. And he was really kind of blew me off. He, he, he barely gave me a, he really didn't, wasn't happy to be there. I'm like, well, I got that much of a personality. Um, and then I interviewed him one more time. He was okay. And then I tell you what, I, I interviewed him at Dick Vitale's charity function, Dickie V., Dick Vitale, every year, his his passion is to try to find a cure to beat pediatric cancer. He's going to go to his grave fighting this. It's incredible. He puts so much passion into it. He really does, and he has an incredible event once a year, a big fundraiser. And Urban Meyer was there one year, and I went up to him with my camera guy, and Urban Meyer stuck out his hand right away, and he couldn't have been nicer. So, you know, sometimes you see these people that are out in the public. Sometimes they're having a bad day and sometimes not. Sometimes they're a jag off. So he was, he was, he couldn't have been nicer at Dickie V's uh, event. So, but usually, you know, when you go from college, man, so if you get a chance, you can go, you know, it's still up there. It's from about two weeks ago. Peter King. Urban Meyer was like, I hate losing. He look at his record. Look at what he has done. You know the national championships. What he did at Ohio State. What he did at Florida. What he did at Bowling Green. What he did at Utah. He's won all the time. And he goes, I realize you're not going to be undefeated. You're not going to go one loss. You know, I'm I I'm not, I'm not going to be. I'm. It's going to be hard to deal with. But I realize it's going to happen. So that's a pretty good mindset to have. I remember when Spurrier came in. I remember it was a preseason game. Washington Redskins, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. He, he, he put all the stops, man. He was, he was slinging it. He was fun and gunning it. And I remember going over to interview him, uh, standing there after, after the game. And he was like, we won this game. And I was like, wow, this is preseason in the NFL, man. This is in college, you know? He, he just wasn't cut out. Do you know the last big name to come from college to the NFL was Nick Saban. Do you know how long ago that is? That is 15 years ago. And it didn't work for Saban. And the the, the one thing, Urban Meyer, Urban Meyer has been the head coach officially of the Jacksonville Jaguars for like 80, by the time this is dropping here, this way, like 80, 85 days. He has not had a team meeting. He said, that is strange. He's talked to a couple of guys on the phone, but he's not allowed with a collective bargaining to meet with his players. He goes, this is weird. This is weird. I've been here sitting in my pulpit in Jacksonville in my big, big ass office, and I haven't had it. I haven't been able to see my players. 
So it's just a whole different game. The Eagles, I've seen it firsthand, especially a lot of times. A lot of times, man, it's wide receivers and divas and their contracts and their agents. And I don't know. But he's going to go with Trevor Lawrence. He said, I, I, you know, Peter King asked him, he's like, that's the direction we're going in. So he's going to go with Trevor Lawrence. And, you know, we'll see. We we will see. Hey, speaking of NFL, speaking of the, the Super Bowl champion Buccaneers, uh, is that now a thing, tattoos? Like, I Bruce Arians got a tattoo after winning the Super Bowl. Bruce Arians is 68 years old. Mike Evans got himself a tattoo. Now, the Shaq Barrett thing... I, it was an April Fool's joke, right? <laughs> had, that was a good one. He had the tattoo on his arm. And he put it on Instagram of Brady when Brady was wasted coming off the boat. I'm telling you, I think I think Brady takes more goat status because of that, you know, partying like that. And he even kitted it himself, you know, the avocado tequila. And oh my God, man, Brady, Brady's having more fun than he did under Belichick's reign. You got to admit it. Now, he never says anything disparaging. It was great years. All the teammates, Bill Belichick is a great, a great coach. No doubt, no doubt, no doubt, no doubt. But he was not on social media. He was not on social media, period, before uh, he got to the Buccaneers. And he did a thing on April Fool's. Did you see that? Like with the Montreal Expos. He's always busting chops. But the tattoo thing, speaking of April Fool's, uh, there were some lame ones this year. I remember years and years and years and years and years ago, I was at 970 WFLA. I used to do these updates. Uh, And by the way, for those of you that have come through Tampa in radio, you've ever heard of the great Ted Webb. I worked under Ted Webb. Rest, Teddy, rest in peace, Ted. One of the greatest human beings that I've ever met. He never bothered me, never called me. I would give him what they call cuts, like sound for his morning updates. Uh, uh, and uh, just just such a such a great man. But I, I did an April Fool's prank where I did an update in the afternoon and I said the Tampa Bay Buccaneers have traded for John Elway. I think Dilfer was in the deal, something else. And I just played it straight. And I just did the update and walked down to the booth. And at the time, there was a receptionist. Now, a lot of broadcast stations, they don't even have a receptionist anymore. You know, budgets have been slashed. It's different. But in, in this day and age, and back then, there was a receptionist. And the boss of the both stations, FLZ and 970, Dave Reinhardt called me into his office and said, what the hell did you do? What are you doing? We are getting flooded, the switchboard out front. They can't get you, it's gonna crash our, our lines. What's going on, what's going on? Oh, we always just said an April Fool's joke, man. The Buccaneers traded for Dilfer, I mean, uh, traded for Elway as a quarterback. You, you gotta get in there and, and, and get back in there. Well, you did, and I thought I was in trouble. You know, when you get called to the to the head guy's office, you you think you're in trouble. But there were some lame ones. The best one though that I fell for was Michael Strahan with the gap in his teeth. Do you know that that wasn't Photoshop? You know how Strahan has that gap in his teeth, and I'm sure you saw it. And he and he, there was a picture of him with the teeth perfect. It's a Beverly Hills surgeon. 
that did that with a temporary mouthpiece that went in. The mouthpiece is only like 350 bucks. And if you want to get the full procedure to take care of the gap in your teeth, I think it's between five and 10 grand. It ain't cheap. And this, and, and it turned out to be a, um, an April Fool's joke. And this Beverly Hills dental surgeon has been flooded. People want to fly all around the country to go see him to get their gap fixed. And then Strahan had the mask on and pulled it down. He goes, I'm only kidding. That's my signature. Ah, the gap ain't going anywhere anytime soon in my teeth. He goes, I couldn't believe how how that thing. Now, that went viral. That was a good one. All righty. Well, you know what? I think that's about it today. I wanted to. There was a couple of things. Oh, whoa. You know what? You know what? Let me give you two more. Let me give you two more stories here. Let me give you two more. Okay. You know, the Chicago Bears, like Chicago Bears, that is a, a, a storied franchise. I don't understand how you can't do better than Andy Dalton and Foles. So, I mean, Andy Dalton, he's okay. The GM of the Bears said he's a nine-year starter, you know, three-time pro bowler. What have you done for me lately? And I started thinking about the Bears. The Bears were 8-8 eight eight last year. But when I, now I got an experience, Mike Ditka, Mike Ditka. Mike Ditka, legendary in Chicago. If you're from Chicago, you know Ditka, the Bears. When I was up and coming as a national TV reporter, and I used to fly, I was the East Coast reporter. I did everything from Denver East. And if there was a big story, they flew me out. I was a young guy, maybe 30 years old. Uh, It was a great gig. It was also very nerve-wracking because when you're at a station, it was called FNN, Financial News Network during the week, FNN Sports, FNN Score on weekends, 24 hours of sports news and information and all that. And I was the guy in the field. And what happens was they would fly me out. I started thinking about this the other day. I would go to... An airport, you know, go to. I flew out of like Newark Airport because I was living in Jersey, and wherever I went, Minnesota. I'm going to Vikings camp, Mankato, Minnesota. I would get in a rental. I'd get in line in a rental car in Minneapolis, and then I would just have to find my way. There were maps. There was no Google Maps. There was no ways. There's no, you know, and I didn't, you know, you just always. I always found my way. You know, this is all over the United States. So Mike Ditka had had a heart attack, and it was a year later. If you're a longtime Bears fan, you probably remember this. So my assignment guy calls me up. He goes, hey, man, why don't you do a feature on Ditka a year later? Uh, you got to go to Lake Forest, Illinois. That's where the Bears have their practice. All right, cool, cool. All right, talk to so-and-so. Boom, we'll set the flight up. We'll do it. You ready? We'll do it uh, day after tomorrow. Okay, great, great. Then it would be up to me to find a camera person in that city. And I think I used to give, uh, I think it was about 400 bucks, 450 bucks. You were talking a long time ago now, okay? 25 years ago. And I never, I would, I, I would, I never had a problem. I would always find somebody, a freelancer, no problem. Meet me there. It's not going to take you long. You're going to shoot a little bit, an interview or two, B-roll, and boom, we're done. You give me the tape, I would either bring the tape back with me on the plane or I would go to a Federal Express drop-off place. That's how it used to be. Seriously. But anyway, 
So I would call, I, I try to set it up with the PR director for the Chicago Bears. And he's like, all right, who are you? Yeah, I'm from uh, FNN. All right, whatever. Yeah. All right, can I, I just got, I got to get like two questions to Mike Dick. I want to do a feature on him after his, a year after his heart attack. Uh, all right, here's the deal. Media availability is like 12, 12 o'clock, you know, on a weekday, regular weekday. All right, you, you can get two questions from him. Okay, so my station now, when I would do these things, the features, when I would travel around, they're paying for my hotel for a night. They're paying for my rental car. They are paying for my flight. So my point is, I got a lot of pressure on me because I'm flying in. I got one shot. I can't go like, oh, oh, I didn't get the story. Let's do plan B. You know, when you're local and it doesn't work out, all right, you go to plan B. You go to a different story. Sometimes a story doesn't work out every day when you're when you're having to do stories. So I fly to Chicago. I get in my rental car. I figure out how to get to Lake Forest. I get there. I go to the, uh, you know, the facility, and I walk up, and I'm waiting to meet my camera person, and who's standing right at the doorway was Sweetness, Walter Payton. I remember he had a real, he had a high voice. Hi, how you doing? And I said, hello, hello, Mr. Hello, Walter. How are you? We're very respectful. Something else, man. Blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, look at that, man. Sweetness. Walter, he was built, you know. No, man, he was ripped. Just, you know, wow. So anyway, boom. Meet my camera guy. Boom. The PO, we shoot a little B-roll. And when you go to an NFL camp, you're only allowed to shoot a certain amount of minutes for practice. And Ditka came right by us. Us media geeks, and he, would, he was on a golf cart, just like Bruce Aarons has a golf cart. He comes up on a golf cart, and he gives thumbs up. That was his thing. I had seen him do that before. Like, he drives up, boom, thumbs up, and then he drives drives right by us, drives right away. I'm like, wow, there's Ditka. The PR director comes over to me, and he says, hey, bud, come here. Uh, Dick is not doing the one-on-one today. So, you know, you're going to have to just, you know, try to get it in, in the media session, and wait for the beat report, the beat writers to get all their questions in because you're from out of town. All right. Sorry, dude. Sorry, man. They wouldn't say dude. You know, he's a PR. Sorry, man. Sorry, sorry. Sorry, young man. And I'm like, oh. So when you come in from out of town, you've never been there before. You got to, there's a, a protocol on how to act. Don't like start out, hi, I'm so-and-so, hey coach. So I'm in the back, I'm waiting. The beat reporters are asking their questions. I don't want them to go and I'm screwed, I don't have anything. And I kind of just, okay, this is enough. And I said, Coach Ditka, uh, and he goes, who are you? And I said, uh, I'm from FNN, Any FNN Sports. He goes, FNN, what's that? And I said, Financial News Network. He goes, Financial News Network? What are you here to, you know, trying to get my finances in order? What, 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 what? And I'm like, I'm shitting a brick, man. I'm shitting a brick. And it's Ditka. He's intimidating. And I said, uh, no, no, we're FNN Sports on weekends. Well, what's your question? Coach, it's been one year since you had a heart attack, and I'm just wondering, how are you feeling right now? And he goes, you know what? That's a damn good question. None of you sons of bitches that have been here every single day have asked me how am I feeling. Let me tell you how I'm feeling. I was out on the golf course the other day with these guys, and another guy over here, he had a triple bypass, and we were uh, comparing notes. And you know what I've learned? 
I've learned that if I'm tired or I've overdone it, eating too much or whatever it is, or I haven't gotten enough sleep, I don't over, I don't go and push my body with exercise. I don't go in the weight room. I respect my body. I'm tired. Don't overdo it. That's what I've learned. Anything else? And I might've had one follow-up and he goes, good, good question. And I got my shit. But since that day from Ditka, 20 some years ago, if I've had a night where I've drank too many beers or um didn't get my sleep, to this day, I'm like, I'm not working out today. I'm not pushing it. From that one incident from 25 years ago from Mike Ditka. And you know what? On that, we're going to drop the microphone. I got some great guests coming up. WWE, WWF, Tag Team Champion, Brian Nasty Boy Knobs. Uh, Olympic gold medalist swimmer, Brooke Bennett, just to name a few. We're also going to try out, we may do it on the next one, might be on the next one, a new segment. He is a bartender friend of mine. He's a tap room manager for craft beer. You know how craft beer is so big right now? But it's not so much on that. I'm going to start doing a little segment with him on how to not act like a jagoff at a bar. How to behave. Oh, you think you want to get a free beer? How do you do that? How big is this craft beer industry? Is there going to be a ceiling? You know, all that. A new segment. How not to act a fool at a bar. And on that note, I'm Rock Riley. And this is another episode. Thank you so much. Like, subscribe. Let's build this bad boy. The Rock stops here. This is a Landry Football Quick Fix on Radio Influence. How would you know that Teddy Bruschi was going to be a really good linebacker? He never played linebacker in college. You had to do your homework. You had to put him through drills. You had to look at metrics. It's not, well, how a guy works out and what he runs or what he benches. That's not going to determine, you know, whether guys are make it or not. What it determines is the skill set that it's going to take and translate. And that will ultimately determine where you can use them, how you can use them, how you teach them, where you play them, so on and so forth. So to me, it was never an issue of, is Teddy Brucey a make-it player? It's just where, okay? He's 262 pounds. He's going to struggle even as a move nose tackle because that's what he played in college. They moved him a little bit. Could play him at a three technique. Well, he wasn't as explosive as you would need as a pass rusher. So you had to figure out, can, can he play on his feet? Can he play in a two-point stance? Well, you run drills, you do certain things. All-star games, you can get a feel for it. Well, in that case, you end up getting a bargain because if he had maybe been asked to do that, no criticism to what Dick and those guys did at, um, at um, Dick Tomey and the guys did at Arizona. It's just you play them how they can help you but you have to often project. And so there's a lot of things you look at in terms of uh, the guy's skill set. So the workouts are a really integral part from a tangible standpoint to see where their guy will translate. 
The Landry Football Podcast with veteran scout and coach Chris Landry can be found on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, Google Podcasts, and RadioInfluence.com.